0: So, I was in Chicago with a friend of mine, this was several years ago now, and uh, we were in a rental car, we'd been at a conference, and uh, this was before smartphones and our little GPS devices where it can help you know which turn to make and all this sort of thing. We were late, we had to find the airport, which we neither of us had ever been to, and, uh, Rented car. I'm just trying to set this up. See, uh, and and you know how when you return a rental car, you got to watch the fuel thing because if you don't have it full, then they do it for you. It's much more expensive. See, we we knew these things, and yet we still decided to do what we did. So we were late, and we had to get to the airport, and uh, we got lost. We got lost somewhere in South Chicago. It was. Kind of a sketchy area. Never been there. Didn't know what to do. The the directions given to us from our friends at the conference weren't exactly as detailed as we needed. We were lost, and the fuel gauge was in the red, and uh, had no idea where we had to stop and ask for directions from a convenience store. We thought we were going to die. We were scared again, we're from the Northwest and we don't know how big cities work. And we did, we did get to the airport very late. In fact, when we, we're running, if you've ever been late for a plane, it's like the worst thing ever. You just feel like the the stress of it, cold sweat going on. We're running down and this was before 9-11. So things were a little different, late nineties. And um, anyway, we got to the gate The plane was already shut up. I mean, it was already closed and everything. They actually held the flight for us. I don't think they would do that now. I don't think that would happen. You're just out of luck. They did hold the flight for us. We were able to get on. And I just remember sitting down in that seat, the cold sweat, right, the the whole craziness. And I found myself just, it's almost laughing at how silly we were because we didn't give ourselves any margin. We didn't give ourselves margin in planning. We didn't give ourselves margin in time. We didn't even think to the fact that we've never been here before and we might get lost. We gave ourselves no safety net, no buffer zone. I don't know if you've ever been in that moment. Had a moment like that where you didn't plan well, maybe you drove by three gas stations and thought, ah, I'll fill up later. Then you find yourself in a traffic jam with no fuel and you're wondering why these cars aren't moving. You've been in that situation? Stress. We could have gotten the fuel. We could have given ourselves a little buffer there, but we choose not to. Think of the times we've robbed ourselves of peace and a nice, less stressful day by not giving ourselves margin. Think of the joy we've robbed each other from that. that. That trip to the doctor for your child or grandchild that you don't have any buffer for, you don't have money for that. These moments when we're where maybe we're interrupted, and we're on our way to get something done, we've we got our schedule, and someone needs something from us, and we don't have the time. Being interrupted. So often, I think, we are living on thin ice. We're, we're living where we're like behind the eight ball all the time. We're always in the red, right? If we're going to use the fuel analogy, why do we do this to ourselves? Oh, the joy we steal from ourselves when we don't think about a little bit of margin, a little leeway in our schedule and our finances. We're always over overcommitted, overdrawn, and overwhelmed. And is this how we're meant to live? Is this how God designed us to live? I, I don't think so. Maybe, maybe you're there today. Maybe you're, you're, you're here this morning and you're like, I'm, I'm at that spot, Ben. I'm, I'm overdrawn, overcommitted, overwhelmed. How can, we, how can we make this change? Well, I'm glad you're here because this is what we're going to be talking about today because I think Jesus wanted us to live a little bit differently. He wanted us to live with a little bit more leeway, whether, whether that be our finances or with our time, uh, rest, He wants us to live with margin for our planning and preparation. Uh, More time overall to to spend time with him, to enjoy walking with him. And too often, even even some of you that have retired have told me this, that you've said this phrase and you've got to stop saying it to me. You keep saying, well, I'm more busy now than I was when I was working. That really is hard for me to hear. But we live like this even when we go to retirement. We're filling up the schedule. What if we could live differently? What if we could have margin in our lives to live the new kingdom way instead of being that overcommitted, overdrawn, overwhelmed? That's what we're talking about today. We kicked off this series, The Money Talks, a couple weeks ago, and as you've already seen, we're talking way more than just about a bank account or a checkbook. We're talking about what God has blessed us with, and that includes our time, our resources, and yes, our finances, but he's asked us to live differently than the world around us. In fact, The whole point of this series, we're we're trying to go after that Proverbs 3.9 statement, which says, honor the Lord with your wealth. And we have been blessed very much in in our part of the world. Many of us have been blessed with more than we need. And God has asked us to live differently in that case and to live open-handed and soft-hearted when it comes to seeing need. How we think and manage and handle money is crucial to how we worship Jesus, and he's called us to not trust in riches, but to trust in him. And this is how he's called us to live differently than, than the world around us. We kicked off the series with four key ground rules. See if you can remember them. Started with this one. God owns, we manage. We've got to start there. God owns, we manage. The second thing is, was we, we, we use wealth as a tool for, for good, that we can leverage for good right? There, there's some great things we can do. There's so much good we can do in the world but just by leveraging what God has blessed us with, right? So that was number two. Number three was blessed people bless people. That's how we're, we're called to live. And no, we can't fix everything. We can't solve every financial issue that people have. But sometimes we can do for one what we wish we could do for a hundred. Sometimes God calls us to do that. And the, and the last one was we trust God, not money. We're warned the scripture, don't you dare put your trust in that 401k checking account, real estate market, you never know what's coming. So God has said, hey, trust me, don't trust money. It's going to lead you astray every time. Those were our ground rules. I'm Pastor Ben, so glad you were here today. And I know many of you are online. We want to thank you for, for being part of that. We're one church worshiping Jesus. Why do we gather on Sundays? Well, Sundays is the first day of the week. and It was also the day, a couple thousand years ago, that Jesus of Nazareth, who was born in a miraculous way, lived a perfect life, did amazing things, taught things, raised people from the dead, amazing things, was killed on a Roman cross. But on the third day, on a Sunday, that tomb was empty. Changed human history and many of our lives forever, right? That's why we gather on Sundays, to lift up Jesus, to have communion together, encourage one another, hear from God's word, sing together. Lift up the name of Jesus. That's why we're here on a Sunday. And today we are talking about margin. So I'm glad that you're here with us. If you're online too, we're we're glad you're here too. Let's pause for a word of prayer and ask God to speak. Father, we come before you. You're good and mighty and powerful. You've given us more than we can, can, can even imagine. And, and so, Father, help us to, to, to be a blessing to those around us. Help us to live in such a way, live with margin, live open-handed, that we can be a blessing to whoever you bring into our circle of influence, even this week, even today. Father, help us to be a blessing to others, and may you do your work through us. In the, in the name of your Son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right, well, the scriptures, as we've said all along, do speak a lot about money, wealth, and possessions. And, and again, partly is because it's one of those few things in life that we think we can control. But unfortunately, sometimes this thing we think we control begins to control us. And sometimes the pursuit of stuff starts to swap on us, and we're, we're, we feel like we're under the gun and serving money and stuff and possessions. So God is very keen to let us know that's a, that's a danger zone. And so we're warned about that. We talked about Proverbs, how really 80 to 90% of life, you could probably pick up some good skills just by reading Proverbs. It's a great book to gain wisdom. Uh, I've done that for several years. You know, you choose the day of the month. Then there happens to be 31 chapters of Proverbs. So just choose whatever the day is. today. What's today? The 21st? So today you would read Proverbs 21. That's a good place to get wisdom. And there's a lot about our resources and time and wealth in that. Uh, Very good, very good to to, to read that and get that into your heart and wisdom. But Jesus also spoke about money quite a bit. And there's a parable that I know you know. It's in Luke chapter 10. So if you have a Bible or device, start finding Luke chapter 10. There's a story that is gonna be so familiar, it's hard for us to hear it with fresh ears. But I'm gonna ask you to maybe take a fresh look at this particular parable. And, And it starts with a bit of a setup. So in verse 25 of Luke chapter 10, we get what I would call the setup. What's happening here is a lawyer comes up to Jesus and has a conversation with Jesus. And um, the scriptures say that he wanted to put Jesus to the test. So pretty gutsy thing to do. Don't want to put God to the test, but this guy, he wanted to put Jesus to the test. So this lawyer comes up to him and says, teacher, what, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Uh, Well, what is written in the law? How do you read it? He's a lawyer. He's educated. He should be able to answer this question. Uh, So in verse 27, the lawyer said, Well, you should love your Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as what? As yourself. Great answer. Jesus says, Hey, spot on. Uh, Yeah. Verse 28, you've answered correctly. Do this and you'll live done, right? Conversation over. No, not quite. This lawyer then asked the question, and this finishes the setup, right? He says, well, uh, desiring to justify himself, this lawyer said, well, who is my neighbor? And as is typical with Jesus, he he often didn't answer things directly. He wanted you to own the answer. So he would often ask questions. That was one of his main ways to teach, but he would also use parables and stories. He generally had a, a particular point, and this one has a pretty pretty big point. So he tells a story and that's, that's the setup. And we get in as verse 30 would say, let's just read it down. Verse 30, Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among robbers who stripped him, beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road. And when, when he saw him, he uh, passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion and went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Parable over. Back to the conversation with the lawyer. Verse 36. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And he said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. Now I know if you've been around church at all, you've probably heard that you know, particular parable. You've probably heard lots of sermons on this parable. And I've heard my share as well. Okay, I'm with you. And, and you, might, you might hear you know, talk about the, the fact that there, these are religious people that walked by this guy. Clearly saw him, but then kind of distanced themselves from it. And yeah, we could unpack that. You know, what, And certainly Jesus confronted the religious elite. He confronted the religious establishment quite a bit because they, they tended to have the right answers, but their heart was far from the Lord. And they tended to, 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 to be about their, their business and their way of doing things and, and miss what God was trying to do. And so, yes, we could talk about the Levite and the priest, right? Their vocation, they serve the Lord. I guess they were so busy those days that they just couldn't be bothered or interrupted. But I'd like to focus a little bit on this Samaritan guy. Now we're told he's a Samaritan, and I'm sure, again, like most things Jesus did, was very intentional. A Samaritan. There was a lot of racism against Samaritans in ancient Rome, especially Jerusalem area, where they, they felt like the Samaritans were sort of this half breed or whatever they were. Very, very, very racial, uh, racially charged there. But the Samaritan does the right thing. And, I, and I'd like to just maybe take a, another glance at, at what this guy does. Now, he must have been a man of means at some point, right? He must have had some some measure of wealth because it says he has an animal. So I'm guessing it's some kind of a beast of burden. Maybe he was riding that animal. We, we hear about this. He's got an animal ready to take care of this guy, to put him on there and, and haul him away. But... But I love looking at exactly what's going on when you see the Samaritan. He's walking down the road. He's journeying somewhere. The scriptures tell us he was journeying somewhere. So he had a destination. It wasn't like he was just randomly walking down the road. He was actually journeying somewhere. He had a map to get to, right? And so he had intention of going somewhere. And you get a sense where he was watching as he's going. He wasn't so hyper-focused what he was doing that he couldn't see that there was someone in need over here. And yes, the, the other two people passed right by him, but he was looking. Sometimes, I don't know if you're like this, but sometimes we can get so laser focused that we don't see anything else. Whether you just, you know, you got, you got these things you got to do, and you got, you're busy, and you got to get these to-do lists, and you, you don't have time to really look and see, well, maybe someone needs my help. This guy had the wherewithal to be looking. Right? He was looking for what I would call divine moments, divine appointments. This is actually something that I pray about in my prayer list. That, that week in and week out, I'm praying for God to show me those moments where I can show compassion. That I wouldn't be so focused on my, my, my to-do list that I wouldn't see that there would be needs. This guy, had been, he, he was looking. And he was interruptible. How interruptible are you? When you've got stuff to do, you're super important, you've got to get this done. This was an interruption. This guy was going somewhere, and he was interruptible. How interruptible are we? It's interesting because this kind of happened to me this week, and I think it's ironic sometimes that God will put things in your pathway to teach you some lessons. I, I wrote this message that I'm talking about right now a month ago, and it's interesting how this week this happened to me. I was walking, I was heading to the library, and I ran into, I encountered someone who is homeless. They needed help, they asked me for a cigarette, then they asked me for, for, for money, and so it started this dialogue, and, uh, and, it, 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 and it dawned on me, this is what I'm talking about this weekend. Isn't that interesting that God would tend to throw an interruption my way to see how I would respond? Now, I could've walked by on the other side of the road. I, I could tell this person was coming up the road and I was walking. I could've gone to the other side. In fact, truth be told, I was tempted. I was. I was tempted. I'm like, I, I don't have a, a lot of resources you know, that could help Maybe I don't know the situation. It dawned on me I could have gone and crossed the street. This thing is I'm preaching this weekend, and God puts this in my pathway. What am I going to do? So he was interruptible. And he had the means to help with his own stuff. Like he had enough, enough extra, maybe some oil, wine. He was able to put this gentleman on his own pack animal, whatever that was. I mean, so he was willing to be interrupted. Uh, it, it's gonna cost him something now. And think about that. Then maybe you've gone through this too, where you see a need, but then your mind starts thinking, well, if I see this guy, okay, now I gotta stop what I'm doing. I, I, had a, I got a schedule to keep. Your mind starts justifying the ways that you don't have to be compassionate. Am I the only one that that's happened to? We're honest? So I would have to stop, okay? And, and look, he was beaten pretty badly, it sounds like. So there's probably blood, and he's dirty. So I'm like, you know, I could I just change my I just did brand new jeans. I, I, your mind starts doing this. And I'm like, well, if I get down there, then I'm going to get bloody, uh, likely. And it's, I'm going to get stuff on my clothes. And I don't even know this guy, you know? He probably lives around here. I, I, I don't live around here. I'm journeying. I, I don't know where to take him. You, you see what your mind starts to do, and I know I'm not alone in this. Sometimes God is asking us to be interruptible, and sometimes that means getting dirty. Now, yeah, you want to be wise about this, sure, but he was willing to be dis- discomforted. He, he lost his own ability to ride his own animal because now this guy's on his animal, and he, he goes out of his way. It, it costs him some money, so much so that it almost depletes his reserve because he goes to the takes this guy to some place to get some medical attention and an inn to stay in. And he gives, him, gives the innkeeper what he's got and says, look, if you need more, I'm going to come back and, and cover what you had to. So it almost depletes what he had right there in that moment. He has to come back, circle back, which is awesome because now he's even more interrupted because he's got to come back. He's even checking on the guy, costs him something, he's willing to be inconvenienced, and he had care enough to follow up i got to tell you, this story, this parable, is convicting. I mean, do you feel convicted sometimes? Because half the time you're thinking, well, this Samaritan, well, he's a man of means, and I don't have a lot of extra. And Yeah, you can't solve everything, but sometimes we can do, for one, what we wish we could do for a hundred. This Samaritan was willing to be inconvenienced and to get down and dirty, and he's willing to use his own money and resources how is this possible? How is this possible? How does this guy, you know, is he, is he a superhuman? Is he an angel? What's going on here? Who is this guy? He had margin. He had margin in his schedule. You know, or he made margin. He had enough margin financially that he was able to kind of help. He didn't give the guy everything, didn't buy him a house, but he had enough to help him with his medical needs. There was margin in his time, in his schedule, and in his heart. To actually have compassion. How are you with this? Isn't this a, isn't this a convicting sort of story? I can imagine what this lawyer was thinking. Why did I bother to ask him, right? Because now I feel responsible. Do you know that? Sometimes when we see a need, there's some responsibility there. Now we can't fix everything, but sometimes we can do for one what we wish we could do for a hundred, right? You might be thinking, well, Ben, that's great. I'm overloaded. My schedule's too. I got this thing and that thing, and I'm super important, so I can't cancel anything. Sometimes we get this attitude as if we're the only person on the planet. And and the thing is, sometimes we need to to wrestle with this with God and say, am I living with enough margin of time and emotional bandwidth and, and, and financial bandwidth so when I see a need, an actual need, that I can meet it? Yes, be wise about it. But are you living with that kind of margin? The Samaritan, of all that we can say about this parable, he had some margin. And I think that's part of how God wants us to, to consider living with a little bit. Look, we, we often choose how the schedule works. Yes, sometimes things are imposed on us, but you get out your calendar and you're weak and that sort of thing. And, and that's, this is true for, for people that are working and people that are retired Look, we have some choices to make. Are we going to plan everything to the hilt and have no breathing room? Or are we going to give ourselves some time? Time not just to be available to help, but time with the Lord. Time to actually pause and reflect. When was the last time you just sat and really thought through things? You know what I mean? We're, We're rushing and we got the radio on all the time. we got noise going on. Margin is what helps us live healthier. See, this Samaritan, he had time. Resources, and he was actually willing to do something. Many of us have the resources and we have the time, but our will to be compassionate needs to have some addressing. How are you with this? How is your margin? See, I think that's the, the, the secret to this, this, this gentleman in the story, the Samaritan, that he lived with enough margin to, to, to be able to help. How is your margin? Buffer, safety net, wiggle room. How are you doing with that, with your time and resources? Maybe some of you are saying, well, I've got, I'm have got. i doing good with that, Ben. I, 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 I've got margin, and I'm living with it, and I'm w- willing to help. If that is you today, awesome. Keep that up. That's a great place to live. But maybe some of you are feeling, you're walking on thin ice, you're living paycheck to paycheck, you are, you are overdrawn, overcommitted, and overwhelmed. If that's you today... You and the Lord need to have some conversation about creating more margin. We're going to talk about how to do that in a few moments. But if that's you, God wants to do some great things through you. And not just through your finances, but your time and your attention and your emotional ability to to be present for someone. He wants to use you that way. You need margin in your life to be able to do that, like this Samaritan. I, I look at the life of Jesus. He never seemed sort of like, I don't know, in a hurry. He always seemed to be able to, in the moment. I mean, even when his disciples are pushing him, I mean, you read the Gospels, the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It seems like sometimes his disciples are annoyed with him because he kind of operates on his own schedule. And, and, and like, there are times like, hey, things are going great. You know, that whole you know, Sermon on the Mount's going viral. And, uh, you know, we're doing great. We, we, we're going we're gonna to push this. We're going to push that momentum. And Jesus is like, yeah, but I want to go over here. He never seemed in a hurry because he, had, he lived with margin. I think we're, if we take a cue from him and take a cue from him, even this Samaritan, we can live differently because that's the only way that we can do what Jesus said at the very end to that lawyer, go and do likewise. only way to do this, we have some margin. How, how can we do that? See, God designed us for some healthy rhythms, healthy rhythms of work. Yeah, work's good. Paycheck's good. We need work. We need rest. We need relationship. He's called us to live with that rhythm. And if we're if we're kind of living in the red in all these areas, that's not the way God, I think, called us to live. He wanted us to live differently for the world to see something so that we have margin to love. Remember, we ended uh, the first week talking about Romans 13, 8, owe nothing except the debt of love. And we need margin to be able to to be able to do that in our schedules, and our life, makes us healthier. I mean, imagine, imagine this, living with your tank fuller instead of always in the red zone. Imagine having a little, you know what I mean? So the next traffic jam, you're like, I got fuel in the tank, I can handle this. Or I didn't schedule everything so crazy, or I didn't leave myself like minutes to get to work on time, I've given myself buffer. I used to have a boss that said, Ben, if you're on time, you're late you be there 15 minutes early. He would tell me that. I've tried to, tried to stick with that. I don't always get that right. But try to stick with that. If you're on time, you're late. But giving yourself margin. Why? Because you never know if there's an accident, something going on, someone needs your help. You now have buffer. You see what I'm saying? You need that, you need that wiggle room in your life to be able to love, not just to, to waste time. I mean, imagine, yeah, living with a tank fuller instead of always running on empty. Imagine being productive without being a workaholic. These are ways we create margin. What if we could be interruptible without grumbling about it? The Lord worked on me this week on that very thing. I had things I got to get done and this this person needed my help. Interesting how God will do that sometimes. That divine moment and you're like, okay, I got to remember what the priorities are here. It's not my to-do list, it's people. Loving my neighbor. Imagine if you could be content with what God has given you and not always have to be chasing the next thing that's going to need a payment and you're gonna to have to work harder for it, right? There goes your margin. Imagine not you know, being overdrawn in every every area. What if we had some space? What if you could actually live out your priorities? You know, yeah, families first, yeah, but I'm always at work. We do this all the time and we justify it. No. What if you could live out your priorities? Time with Jesus time really listening to someone not always thinking about i'm late for something can you finish this conversation what if we could actually give attention you see that's that's living with margin being healthy so that you can actually be there present yes you can't fix everything no you can't fix everybody's problem i get that but sometimes it's nice to do for one what you wish you could do for a hundred that makes sense god wants to do something different we can live differently and you might be thinking, great, that's great, Ben. I'm there. I, I, you, maybe you're thinking, I am that overdrawn, overcommitted, overwhelmed. What do I do? Well, since we are in a financial series, uh, it would be, behoove me to give you some of that advice. And this is something that Jack and I have, have done throughout our married life. In fact, some of these we just recently did that are helpful. That gives us more margin so that we can be generous. <clears throat> and this is some, some of Dave Ramsey's wisdom. He's a financial guy. You've probably heard of him. And he says, actually make... A monthly spending plan. Like he said actually make it, put put it on paper or on a digital format. I get that. We're, we're, we're hip to the technology here. But he actually said make a budget. So what you're spending and a lot of times some of it is, is we keep spending on these cards and we never think about it because cash is out. Cash isn't cool anymore, right? We can't even, can't even pay for stuff on a plane with cash. Cash is out. We're only paying with these cards. The problem is we're doing this all the time. We're not really checking how many transactions we're doing. Have you ever just like looked? I mean, without judgment, just look at your last month and like see where stuff went. Many of us don't even know where it goes. I was getting through a local coffee purveyor here in town. And I got my coffee. And it dawned on me when I'm trying to get back on the road how much I just spent on a cup of coffee. And I didn't even think about it. We have been blessed, we can be a blessing. And that means sometimes we actually have to know what's going out and create a plan. So Dave Ramsey would say, start there, downsizing your home. That's something that Jackie and I did a couple years ago, one of the best decisions we ever made. We were house poor, what they call that. We, we were in a newer house here in town and there's nothing wrong with owning a new house, but, but we felt like it was the right timing. Our kids were kind of getting older and, and moving out. So we thought, hey, this is a good idea. Let's downsize and it allowed us to be more generous. And maybe, maybe that's a place you're at right now. But these are things you can do to give yourself more margin. If you're always living right on, on that edge, always close to the red, that's a stressful and not very peaceful place to live. So maybe downgrading, some, canceling some of the services. You know, how, how many streaming services do you, do you really need? You ever counted up how many there are now? But maybe you're you know, services you don't need. Maybe you can change your own oil. Uh, I, I did that until we got a Prius. And then I realized to remove the filter on a Prius, you need like a specialized tool with like an air compressor. And I went, okay, now it's time to take it to Toyota. (laughs) But there's some things you could do, maybe cancel some services. I don't know. Here's my favorite thing. And and I'm not going to bog you down with this. This is my favorite thing from Dave Ramsey. He would say this, and we have done this, and I'm telling you, this will help. When you're thinking about what's the next thing you got to buy, it's amazing, and I'll just talk to the guys in the room for a second. We like tools. And what's, what's just boggles my mind is we'll have a job that just needs that tool. We'll go buy the tool, and then it sits in the garage for the next five years, because we never use it again. Whether that be, and I don't want to just step on toes, that nail gun, or that, you know, ceramic tile cutter, or whatever it is, that router, whatever it is, We will do this. Dave's like, hey, stop doing that. Just without thinking, if you can borrow a tool, that's a great way to save money. You don't need to buy it. And I'm telling you around this room, between this service and first service, I guarantee you, in our church family, we have the tile cutter. We do. We probably have 15, because we all did the same thing, We bought it for one job, and now it's just sitting in the garage. Some of you have multiple tools because you you forgot where you put the other tool, and then you find it. Oh, I've got three of these sawzalls. Well, that's great. i got two hands. So he would say borrow first. Now, this really does work. So next time, okay, just action item for some of you. Whatever that next job is you're working on, we probably have the tool in our church family, okay? So borrow first. The next thing, yeah, then rent. But do those those things first before you actually go buy that's pretty good advice from dave ramsey on on the issue of our time right so we talked about finances because we want you want to be generous i know you do i want to be generous and i want margin to do that and so we can we can be smart about how we handle the financial part but our time we can be smarter about our time too we don't have to plan everything to the hilt all the time some of you are type a to-do list people Yes, but we still need margin. We still need breathing room. We can't bump meeting after meeting after meeting. You're just emotionally going to be shot. You can actually plan your time like you budget your money. Did you know that? In fact, there have been lots of studies done on corporate America and the productivity that happens in a typical eight-hour workday in corporate America. And there's a lot of downtime that they're not counting. In that, in that, generally, in that eight hours, The stat will boggle your mind of how much actual work gets done. You can see it, there's there's plenty of studies that have been done because there's interruptions and that takes some time to get back on track to what you were working on. And you have like, you're, you're, you're actually not good all day long. Did you know that? There's actually time where you're smarter. They've done research on it, I'm not the expert. But for me, I've actually learned to budget my time. Michael Hyatt, which is a he's, a he's like a life coach I think now, that's a thing, believe it or not. Uh, he's a life coach and he's written a lot of books, Michael Hyatt has, on productivity. And he says, yeah, try to budget your time and when you do certain things, at the time it's gonna be most beneficial for you. So if you're, if you're like clear in the morning, that's when you wanna schedule your thinking task, your creative, and in the afternoon, if you're not as fresh, that's not when you wanna do that sort of work. Now I realize some of you are working jobs that may not have that kind of flexibility, but there has been really, really good research done that you need to work and be, you can be more productive when you're putting the hours at the right time in your day. So for me, I don't do a lot of like heavy creative thinking in the afternoon, that's when I'm meeting with people, I might go to the gym, anything to kind of get, get maybe another hour or two in my day because I find I'm not as sharp then. So there's a ways you can actually budget your time much like you would, and it'll help your productivity it really will. I'm better in the mornings. Most people are actually a little bit better in the mornings, a little more sharper. Some of you might be night owls. Maybe that's where your best work gets done. But figuring that out will really help you develop some margin in your time. Uh, There's a a medical doctor, Richard Swenson, who wrote about this idea of margin. And and just in case you're still kind of wrestling, tell me a little bit more about this margin thing. He kind of defines it a little bit. Let me read that to you. Margin is the space between our load and our limits. Margin It's like having reserves for contingencies and for unanticipated situations. Margin is the gap between rest and exhaustion, the space between breathing and suffering, or suffocating. We need that space, that margin. Marketers will call that white space. And what they mean by that is you have an ad or something like this, and you don't want it all to be full with text. That's too much, your eye can't handle it. So you want to have margin so that you can focus on the important message right? that the advertiser wants you to see. Draw your eye in. If you have too much going on, you can't see it. There's a number of different, different takes on that, but it creates space for us to be healthy, and it doesn't just happen. It's not something that just happens magically. You have to be intentional about it. So think through your schedule. Think through your budget. Think through those things. Because why? Not because I just want you to be super efficient all the time. No, actually, we're called to love our neighbor. And that requires some margin. That's why we would even do this. You want to be generous. You need to create the margin for that to happen. And imagine all of us being able to live more like that, with more margin. So what the world around us would see us as a church family and go, well, I don't really believe what they believe, but wow, they sure are generous and compassionate, and they had time for me. Imagine what that would do. In our world right now, people could really use that. People could really use a little opportunity for a little more peace and that someone would listen to me. What if we could be a church family? Imagine that. All of us having enough margin to really love and to meet needs when we see them and to have compassion. What about a church family that was interruptible for the right reasons? I think that could be huge. And that's the way I want to live. I hope that's the way you want to live too. See, Jesus didn't intend for us to live life in the red. He intended for us to have enough margin. Why? So that we can love instead. He's called us not to live in the red, but to have enough margin so that we can love. Remember Romans thirteen eight. 8. Owe nothing to anyone except for the debt of love. How are we going to go and do likewise like that Samaritan in a world that's overdrawn Overcommitted, overwhelmed. Well, we have some margin to be healthy, so that we can love, love our neighbor as ourselves. What if Jesus meant that, right? What if He actually meant for you to love your neighbor? We need margin in our lives, so we don't live in the red. Christ followers live differently. We don't live in the red. We live with enough margin to love instead. Besides that, with the financial thing, I love what Proverbs says. This is this should be a good reminder. Proverbs twenty-three. Verses 4 and 5, don't wear yourself out to get rich. Don't trust in your own cleverness, but cast a glance at riches, and they're gone. For they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. Jesus didn't intend for us to live in the red. He intended us to live with margins so that we can love instead. This morning, online or here, if you've never said yes to that love that Jesus intended us to have, he wants you to come to be part of his family, his network of love. Say yes to Jesus. If you've never said yes to Jesus, you can do that today. He took care of our sin, past, present, and future, rose from the dead, and on the third day, he offered life and hope. And if you're at a place where you need that today, I'd love to pray with you. We'd love to pray with you online as well. But uh, let's, let's let's close with a word of prayer and, and go and be the people that God's called us to be with margin to love. Father, we come before you. We thank you for all that you've blessed us with, We recognize that we didn't come up with it. You gave it to us, Father. Help us to manage it well, to be a blessing to others, to not trust in money, but trust in you. And so, Father, we could live open-handed, soft-hearted, and have the margin to see needs and meet needs. Father, help us to have that heart of compassion that we see in your son, Jesus, and we pray it in his name. Amen.